Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. Good afternoon. I am here today with... With one of my very favorite people, uh, Donna Renee Anderson. Um, Donna Renee, first off, how are you? Today, I'm doing good today. Today is a good day. So, Donna Renee, I feel like I know um, some of your story, but our audience does not. So, do you want to tell me about your time in, you know, in the military and, or even like before that and then going to military and some of the places you've lived and some of the things you've done? Sure, sure. Um, I have to let everybody know I grew up in a military home. My father was a career army officer and my mother is from British. It was British Guiana at the time. It's now just Guyana. And so I started school in South America. And then because of my father's military career, we traveled every 18 months. So I've been to several elementary schools, at least three high schools, and between private, Catholic, and public school, wearing school uniforms, not wearing school uniforms. I remember leaving Catholic school and going to public school and having nothing to wear except my uniform until my parents did the Montgomery Ward J.C. Penney catalog shopping for us to get school clothes. And um, so I traveled a lot as a child and a teenager. Then I joined the Air Force. I went to college at Tuskegee, joined the military. After I saw my friends, classmates who were A students in engineering, not get a job because they did not have any work experience. And I was like, oh, no. So I was walking back from a career fair at Tuskegee for one of them. And the guy was sitting at the R- on the ROTC porch <laughs> smoking a cigarette and said, I know how you can want, you can earn money. And all you have to do is wear a uniform once a month. And I was like, oh, I can do that. So I, I did that my last three years in college and graduated and joined the Air Force. And the first part of my career was 
um, I'll just say uh, it was a harrowing experience, something I don't talk about, can't talk about. But uh, special investigations and then I ended up in resource management. So I traveled all over the Pacific Rim and most of the northeastern part of the United States with the Air Force. But I landed in Guam, spent 20 years there and pretty much. Wow, let's say I've been a deep sea fisherman, fishing person. (laughs) And then I um, was a union rep. I taught middle school. I taught community college, university. Worked as um, a training, corporate training for um, a hotelier and a union rep. Goodness. And uh, then when it was all over, I went to seminary and after five harrowing years, decided to try my hand at documentary filmmaking and traveled throughout the United States looking for God in America. So I'd stop with my fellow class. There was three of us, three girls, three women. And I um, was the camera person. And I um, would stop and we would stop and I'd say, hey, we're new here. We're looking for God. Can you tell us where we can find him? And then we would film people's responses. Now, let's see, I've got um, went to college to get promoted in the Air Force. I got my first master's in human relations. And then I got tired of people telling me what the Bible said. So I went to seminary and learned to read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. And. Yeah, that was been interesting, but with all of that, no, no job, you know, after I guess I'm a woman of a certain age. I couldn't get work, but people would like call me for, well, we, you, we're, you're not a good fit for this job, but, um, we'd like to have a cup of coffee with you. That's pretty much how it went. (laughs) Don Renee, uh, I knew some of your story. I didn't, there's something I still didn't know. (laughs) You read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. Yes. It's, it's hard work. It's hard work, but so now when somebody says, this is what the Bible says, I'm like, first, have you read the Bible? And then, well, let me tell you what it says in the Greek. Right. And then, um, right. That's amazing. Prior to getting to, well, well, I was been homeless for a while also, which it really tears up. It's a, I don't think anybody, unless you've been homeless, understands what it means to be homeless. That I thought I thought it was interesting when I was living in Oregon. Um, I go to these places to get help. And are you on drugs? No. Are you blind? No. Do you have any children? No. Do you have a criminal record? No. Well, we can't help you. I'm thinking. Oh wow! Like, really? Wow! You you can't (laughs) you can't help me. I can't get a job. Um, my friend and I went to this one place to look to because you know you get up every morning and you walk, you take the bus, and you go to some place, and 
we were all dressed up to get, you know, have an interview. And we walked into this office and the man said, do you know what kind of work we do? And it was like, we'll do anything. And he's like, no, you, you, you don't look like you'd fit this job. So it's been. Yeah, it's been a journey. And the only thing I've ever wanted to do is be a writer since I was little. Oh, really? That's it. My father was like, they don't make money. So, no, you can't be a writer. So I've spent my unworking years trying to do just that. Right. I have a lot of I don't I have a lot of time on my hands. And so it's like, well, just write, try, put put some effort into this. That's why I liked profile theater. When when I read this blurb and contacted you the first time for the uh, LGBTQ console cohort, it was like, yes, I want to do that. And that was just phenomenal doing that, writing that, meeting playwrights and authors and screenwriters who were just like me. They weren't haughty. They weren't, you must learn this, you know, this high voice of this condescension of I'm a published author and give me, let me give you these tools. It was not like that. It was, you can write. You can do this. And the same with the, the the black women. It's like these women get me. I don't have to translate what this means. You know what this means. So that's just that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I wonder, like, like, what has that journey been like for you? Because when you started out, you started out with the LGBTQ cohort and uh, you all were meeting at the Q yeah. Center. And then since then, um, you know, we wound up in the middle of a pandemic and you're with the the black women cohort. Um, You know, it's been quite a journey for you personally. Yes. Yes. And in the middle of all that, the the writing every month was what kept me going was the bright spot in being the caregiver for my father. You know, right. Oh, that's and that's another thing. And when you started out, you were here in Portland. And then you moved to Texas. Yes. yes. And it's um, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. But the writing that once a month meeting on Zoom was really what kept me going. And that was there are no words. Truly, there are no words to talk about that. Meeting all these women, not just. Yeah. And. And just being encouraged to put it on paper. So, yeah. And then yeah, and, you it know, was a way for me And then you to, found out you were a writer? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I go can, ahead. It was how I also um, vented what was going on with me while I was taking care of my dad and my mother. So, and here we are. Sure, but I and I remember you writing a really beautiful piece after your dad passed. Yes. Yes. Daddy called death and she came. That's that was the one. Yeah. That was There are days, Bobby, 
I still can't believe he's gone. And it's been almost six months. And, you know, I see my mother once a week and, you know, we have our conversations, but my parents were married for 67 years. And so her grieving process is totally different than mine. And, uh, but yeah. How so? Well, she wants to talk about my father all the time. And I don't have a point of reference for that. I spent most of my life traveling. I graduated from college, joined the Air Force, and I was, I worked in a, in a test wing. We were flying every weekend. I didn't, it was like, I left home, I left home. I was moving on with my life. I mean, ever since I was a child, they were saying, when you're 18, you're leaving. It wasn't like we had this, you know, we didn't have a Hallmark movie family relationship. You know, in Hallmark movies, everybody loves each other. It's a close family. No, my parents are my parents. We're not friends. This is what you need to do when you grow up. And you do that. And that's how I've lived my life. So to come back and take care of my father and see him the way he was versus the way I remember him when I was younger. That was overwhelmingly painful. And I could not wrap my head around that. I just couldn't. And my mother talks about my father like he's still here. And I guess, you know, after 67 years, I, I'm going to give her that. So I just listen. I can only imagine. I just listen. Yeah. And uh, we're, my mother and I are like oil and water. I don't hate her. She's my mother. But I can only take her in so much dose. <laughs> and that's. Got you. We take care of that. So. Right. Uh, well, then that makes me doubly glad that you were able to get some of that stuff down on paper. Oh, yeah. It was very helpful. And then I also, because I was writing so much, I decided, well, let me try making my own journal. So that was time consuming, but it was also very therapeutic, bending and cutting and mm -hmm. sewing those pages together to create that. So just to do something with my hands. Are you still doing that? I've, I've done four. I'm going to, when I run out of those, I'm going to do some more. <laughs> oh, that's great. So um, what did you want to share with us today? I've got, um, I've got a piece that's called, um, you remember the Writers Guild Initiative wanted us to submit something? I do. So I did two pieces for them. One of them, was read and the other one wasn't and that's all right but um it it let me as long as i am able to enter a contest of any kind or submit my work to anyone for reading at it's like i'm gonna do that it's 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 like yes you can do this but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back one of the core parts of our mission at Profile Theatre is to engage with our community, to deepen understanding of our world, and foster compassion for each other. 
In celebrating and sharing our uniqueness with the world, we help build stronger, more resilient communities. That is why we believe organizations like Prism Health are so critical in that journey. Prism Health is committed to community building by providing compassionate, affirming primary health, mental health, and pharmacy services that address the unique needs of the LGBTQ community and beyond. You can learn more about Prism Health's mission and services and decide if they are a good fit for you by visiting www.prismhealth.org. That's www.prismhealth.org. Shine brighter with Prism Health. And we are back with Voices from the Real World. So the first one is, this changes everything, and it's about depression. My chronic depression is a force of nature, the bane of my life, the dust that surrounds pig pen, the rainbow that does not touch the ground, addressed sporadically through my 65 years through group therapy and individual sessions with counselors, therapists, and life coaches. Call them what you will. They were and still are always civilian, never understanding what it's like to be me, but hey, I've run with scissors since I was a little girl. Daddy, I live with depression, I said on a Texas hot afternoon. No sweet tea, just good beer cold. Lowering his newspaper and spearing me over his glasses, he deadpanned. Black people don't have time to be depressed. Those words still resonate within the forefront of my mind, never wanting to get up and move to the back of my mental bus. I didn't have the heart to tell him what was the cause of my depression. I continued to live my life in spaces that refused to recognize my gayness, refused to acknowledge my preference for tailored men's suits versus tailored women's dresses with those blasted heels that may accentuate my calves, but pain my flat feet. That's what I wanted to tell him as I packed my systematic theology textbooks to engage in theological discussions in a seminary classroom I found lacked my creative understanding and belief about my very existence. Me, a lesbian and black, at a straight non-denominational seminary. Let me add homo-scared. I should be depressed. What gets me through the life room of jello I must walk through each day is something called mindfulness, a new word for an old thing. Pay attention and focus. It's my conscious way to move through hiding life moments. When one of my therapists, young enough to be my child, and I don't do well with children, began one of my sessions with a moment of silence, and then asked me to place my troubles, traumas, and attentions and tensions on a leaf and float them down the stream in a forest, I let all thoughts of doing his young body harm snake away through my skin. Within that moment, I believed my government hates me, does not care one damn bit that I serve said government as an Air Force officer, doing things I want to forget 
and can't mention in any therapy session. I came to an understanding about me, myself, and I. Daddy's words ring true, and this changes things for me. Depression acknowledged, so I put pen to paper and scratch out my healing with words conjured from the ashes of burned journals, notebooks, and paper scraps. I think I will not sit in a room with others living various colors on the rainbow spectrum or make an appointment to place my shit on a leaf and float it down a stream of forgetfulness in the middle of a verdant green forest. I will just continue learning how to walk through my life room of jello as a full-bodied black lesbian veteran aging gracefully in silk tie, accessorized tailored suits and believe I won't get stuck. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Donna Renee. Donna Renee. You know, and you're a writer of such grace and elegance, you know, but then like all of a sudden you're just like truth telling. <laughs> well, thank you, Bobby. It's just, I, there was a long time ago, and for me it's a long time ago, they had this book. You know they have dictionaries and thesauruses. Well, I laid my hands on a book that's no longer in print about other words to use instead of what you find in a thesaurus or a dictionary. So I met someone who was a writer and she used one of those books and she always searched for words other than the norm to describe what she was doing. So I try to. What's another way to say something. And I additionally learned that going through these cohorts with you, with the women and the men that I met and how they wrote and how they used words that were not the norm. It's like, how can I say that and it not be regular? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like so often, uh, you know, there's always a, a, a balance to be struck, right? Um, I remember reading Stephen King said, if you have to search the desires for the word, it's not the right word. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, at the same time, you're always looking for a way to uh, make something your own. Yes. You know, to say it your own way. Yes. You know? Um, and Stephen King. Uh, it's so easy yeah. to, to. Stephen King, for me, has you know, so, written the best book on writing. I've read lots of books, yeah. but for me, the book to have on my shelf or in my Kindle, for lack of a better phrase, is Stephen King's writing on writing. Right. Cool. Cool. Do you have another piece for us? I do. I do. This one is um, called Finding Me in My Life Story. I always wanted to wear my brother's underwear. Fruit of the loom briefs with the slit in the front. Always white, but I didn't care. I wanted my own pair of fruit of the loom. I didn't have the courage to ask my father if I could have a pair, and asking my mother was knowingly out of the question. And so I suffered through the agony of girl panties, girdles, stockings, and heinous dresses. I lived for the weekends of yard work after dusting, vacuuming, and kitchen duty. Yard work meant blue jeans, tennis shoes, and t-shirts, boys' clothes. 
as I progressed through my mother's training of all things girl. My sister got A's and predictably and happily I received F's. I didn't know what I was feeling or what words I could use. I just knew I didn't belong in a dress. There are the girls clubs, ballet and piano, voice lessons. My mother swore would make me more presentable and feminine. However, I preferred standing next to my father when he was shaving in the bathroom. It was better when he let me lather his shaving brush and soap my face and use an extra razor without the blade. Let me call them by their names, Daddy and Mommy. Mommy found Daddy and me in front of the bathroom mirror. I was on a stool, faces lathered and razors at the ready. Mommy, in no uncertain terms, made it profanely clear that I was doing something that was decidedly unladylike, to which Daddy replied, Shit, Francis, leave the girl alone. The parental conversation continued to devolve as I wiped my face, my face and tiptoed out the bathroom. As I've grown older, my fashion sense has ranged from uncharacteristically femme to comfortable butch. Let's just say I don't get heels at all, and the only thing dresses are good for are being hiked up to set off on a good run before jumping a fence. I poked my eye while applying mascara while driving down I-35 into Dallas and nearly caused a Texas-sized pileup on the highway as I swerved cussing to the shoulder. Breathing heavily, I happily littered the highway with all things cosmetic from my car, wiped my eyes, and after a long smoke merged, raccoon-faced back onto the freeway to my destination. I knew then that being a girl was going to kill me. I digress. The one thing about being a woman female in the military is the ability to dress like a man. Short hair, pants with webbed belts, boots. No branch of the military's gotten darts for women's breasts just right. And since I didn't care about darts for my well-endowed chest, I reveled in camouflage and caps and the standard blue and suffered through mess dress affairs. It was the closest I could come to what Queenie called butch. I didn't ask, didn't tell, and stayed to myself. I burned my uniforms when I got discharged and tried to fit within civilian life. I still try at times. But there was that. There was still that tug to wear my brother's fruit of the looms. So I started looking for queer underwear for women. Decided I wanted to vacation with a bunch of queer women. Ended up talking to a woman in a tuxedo that she wore very well on a cruise ship and learned about tailored suits and Tomboy X underwear. When I finally felt good in my body, I was wearing a three-piece silk tie and scarf accessorized Joseph Abood suit and a pair of Tomboy X briefs underneath, leaning over the railing of a cruise ship. When a woman walked up to me and cooed, you look really good. My thank you was spoken through a wide smile. It was a far cry from the day I walked into a lady's bathroom in my Air Force 
battle dress and a woman tell me, excuse me, sir, you're in the wrong bathroom. I ripped open my uniform to show the woman my sports bra and left her sputtering. Donna Renee, you know, it's so, it's so, um, I'm going to sound like a jerk when I say this. It's so fascinating because you always feel like such a happy, sane person. (laughs) I never think about all the struggles that you have been through to reach that place. How much of it was a conscious choice and not just a happy accident of who you are, you know? Um, you know, uh, so fascinating. Uh, like the, just, um, you wanting to wear your brother's underwear, you know? Um, and, you know, and, and just, and just working with community profile in general, uh, this happens to me constantly. And this is part of why I love the program, um, is just, uh, learning what other people are going through and what their lives are like, you know? Um, uh, and you always seem so like self-possessed and, um, uh, like wise and comfortable in your skin. Um, and you know, uh, and like, I met you like this. So it, you almost forget that, you know, Oh, you know what? That person had to work to reach that place. Yes. You know, uh, there were obstacles that had to be overcome. Uh, there were parents, there were strangers whose attitudes need to be adjusted or shifted or ignored or fought back against. Yes. You know, so when it was so and like like that piece you just read, you know, I'm just like, oh wow, that's right. You know, um, I met I met Donna Renee, you know, well into her journey, you know, and uh, and by now there's a lot of things she's figured out, you know, and it didn't come easy necessarily. You know, that's true. That's true. I always, I don't. It's now I can look back and say, oh yeah, I You're chose right. that. Because I have met and have been associated with people who have not made those choices. And I don't, I'm, it was when I was younger and I think I was in college. And then as I started in the Air Force and then I started be working in civilian jobs, it was like, if I'm not happy, I'm not staying. I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I am not going to come to work drunk I'm not going to do those things because I'm hiding who I am. And I'm going to tell you, there's a, that's the, okay, that's a, I get an A for that. However, the downside is everybody doesn't do it that way. You know, I made a choice, but that doesn't mean, and that's my choice to live my life as authentically and genuinely as I can, understanding that most people are not going to let me do that. I just have to figure out what that looks like. And it's, I've been through therapy. I've, I've had my therapist say, well, you know, you should try to do better. I'm thinking, okay, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> I'm not, I'll change therapists. And right. it's, I just bring me to the table. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. But I'm a firm believer that I don't we don't have to agree to have a good conversation as long as we have a conversation. Well, Donna Renee Anderson, um, 
Thank you again for all of your magnificence. Thank you for your writing. Please thank your mother for sharing your uh, her time with you. Um, and of course, I'm always rooting for you, Donna Renee. Thank you. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, Lion Producer, Robert A.K. Gagno, Sound Engineer, Rodolfo Ortega, Composer, and was recorded at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon, which exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kaflamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea and this is Community Profile, voices from the real world, real people telling their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash communityprofile. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out. <laughs>